All right. What's up, guys? My name is Mateo. Welcome back to the channel. We are talking about the Digital Currency Group today, and I know that this has been long awaited for, much anticipation on the behalf of some of our friends from the Money Today Show. A lot of you came over because you wanted to see this content, and I apologize it's taken so long. I put out a video the other day about Dapper Labs, which is one of the companies invested in by the Digital Currency Group, went down that rabbit hole, um, and... You know, the Money Today Show, he hit me up. He's like, dude, you make some pretty good connections here. You know, got some good stuff going on. But you know what? If you're going to do a digital currency group series, it might make some sense to start off talking about the digital currency group. And I thought to myself, dude, this guy's like Einstein. This is genius. I don't know why I didn't do that before. And we've broached over the, the digital currency group a little bit in our MasterCard videos. If you haven't checked that out, go check out our MasterCard and the new Crypto World Order video. There's a lot of good stuff there. You'll begin to really understand from that pivot point what is going on in the world with blockchain, with big multinational conglomerate, tentacle expanding corporations, and how they're getting involved in crypto and how... The adoption of Bitcoin is not necessarily correlated with the adoption of blockchain and crypto. Like That's something that a lot of people have the misconception of. Like When they see companies adopting uh, you know, Bitcoin, that's their metric to determine the growth of the blockchain technologies and the integration of it into the world economy. But that is uh, ill-advised to do. I mean, because there are many, many... Uh, blockchain integrations going on and i think that the money today show he did a video recently talking about how 81 out of the top 100 companies in the world are now using blockchain they're not using bitcoin but they're using blockchain and as we see the rollout of the central bank digital currency that's going to be very much integrated into that infrastructure it's going to be interoperable and then we're going to have taxes that are going to be embedded into computer code become interoperable with all the blockchains thereof and i don't know how much of that is actually going to do with bitcoin a lot of people think bitcoin is going to be digital gold we've talked a lot about that and why that's problematic but um yes it's going to be a panopticonical tyrannical technocratic 1984 control grid and it's not going to be what people think and this is going to help you get an idea as to why that's the case and this entire series is and go check out MasterCard, dapper labs that'll give you an idea and this video will help you do that as well but thank you for the money today show thank you for everyone who's coming from over there let's just jump into the content and this is for you guys this is red meat let me know what you think in the comments below and if you think that this is important please like the video please share uh, check out the donation links below if you found it valuable to you and the social media links also oh goodness here we go so, with that being said, here we are, the Digital Currency Group. Let me just make sure we're recording. Yeah, we're live. Good. This is the big investment firm, one of the biggest uh, investors in the space. And a lot of people are excited about folks like the Digital Currency Group coming into the space because the more institutional adoption, the more that there is, quote-unquote, legitimacy to these things, and therefore... The more money, the more gains, the more riches that are going to be made by the Bitcoin bros and everyone in crypto. Presumably that's the case, but are you going to be rich in a free world or a world of servitude and serfdom? That is the question not many people think about, but we are going to go through this today. So the digital, the digital currency group, and I might just call it the DCG just to make this more simple. So the DG, DCG excuse me, is the epicenter of the Bitcoin and blockchain industry. That's what they say. Their words, not mine. 
Our mission is to accelerate the development of a better financial system. We build and support Bitcoin and blockchain companies by leveraging our insights network and access to capital. Right. And so a lot of people don't know this, but um, they're behind Grayscale Trust. And Grayscale Trust, if you recall, is one of the bigger uh, investment firms, which was getting into Bitcoin pretty early on. And they excited a lot of people in the industry. Wow, Grayscale Trust. They're buying Bitcoin, they're buying Ethereum, they're buying some of these other big cryptocurrencies. That's given it a lot of legitimacy. And that was going on back in, I think, like 2016, 17. It was big news. And, well, they actually call themselves the world's largest digital currency asset manager. Uh, sponsors 14 investment products, and including the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Now, they're invested uh, in... I believe Polkadot as well. They're looking to take that on. And interestingly enough, for this particular channel, they're interested in Monero. Um, maybe the price movements aren't exciting them too much. I think that they're involved in Zcash as the digital currency group, which we're going to get to. Um, they are behind Coindesk. And I'm pretty sure everyone watching this video has read some article from Coindesk in their lives. Uh, it's perhaps the biggest blockchain news source that's out there the leading independent source of blockchain news, research, and data. It organizes Consensus, the digital asset industry's premier annual event. Now, I don't know if that's ran by Consensus, which is run by Jacob or Joseph Lubin, uh, who is one of the founders of Ethereum and the Ethereum Blockchain Alliance. I'm not sure about that. The Money Today Show could probably tell you. And then Foundry. Foundry is a financing and advisory company focused on digital asset mining and staking. By tapping DCG's institutional expertise, capital, and market intelligence, Foundry provides North American Bitcoin miners and manufacturers with the resources needed to maintain and secure decentralized networks. Now, I have a video coming on this specifically for the Digital Currency Group. Again, I've got like 100 tabs open for this stuff. It's just I haven't produced, I haven't produced the content. There's a lot coming though, trust me. But Foundry is one element of this in how the digital currency group is getting some exposure to the Bitcoin mining sector, but they're also invested in Blockstream. And Blockstream itself, which is, I think, largely run by Adam Back, who we've talked about a little bit here on the channel, that has also been doing a vertical integration of the blockchain sector. They're making ASICs rigs. They're investing a lot in Bitcoin mining factories and operations themselves. So the fact that they're also invested in Blockstream and they're doing this, you know, they talk about maintaining decentralized networks, but at the end of the day, how decentralized is it going to stay when you have big money guys like this coming in to take a lot of that market share and control a lot of that hash rate? Remember, we've talked about a little bit here on the channel how if OFAC, which is the Office of Foreign Asset Control, I believe, which is a part of the Treasury Department, if they start blacklisting particular Bitcoin addresses and they say you can't process the transactions or mine the transactions of these uh, Bitcoins which are coming from these addresses. Well, if you have institutions getting into this stuff who have every incentive to be legally compliant with the law and not, you know, carry out the initial vision of Bitcoin, which is to have a permissionless and trustless uh, blockchain, well, that's going to be problematic. And Jiraj Bednar has done work that says if over 10% of the Bitcoin miners comply with particular OFAC directives and regulations to not mine certain coins, well, then that creates a game theory environment where the others are not going to want to do the same. Look into his arguments behind that. But 
yes, that's problematic. That's problematic. And, you know, there are other companies that you could invest in. In the stock market, uh, that will do Bitcoin mining as well. Instead of you having to buy a $10,000 ASICs rig and, you know, pay for the electricity. And by the way, electricity prices are going up significantly in places like Europe, China, and soon the United States. And so that's going to squeeze more small guys out of the Bitcoin mining market and consolidate more market share to people like the Digital Currency Group and Blockstream, etc., to the Bitcoin mining sector. So... Therefore, regulation becomes more of an issue. The attack vectors are that much more broad, which really threatens the Bitcoin blockchain and its permissionless and trustless capacity, in my opinion. Maybe not trustless, but permissionless, um, if that makes sense. So I just want to make that point. This is very important. So, yeah, so they're into exchanges. And so let's, do, let's go ahead and look at their portfolio. They nicely... Uh, organize this for us. So they're into blockchain registry. They're into, uh, yeah, here are their subsidiaries. We just talked about those. Enterprise, enterprise blockchain. Uh, they're into exchanges. Now, they only have three exchanges listed here, but we've looked and they have uh, stakes and exchanges all around the world going from Mexico to Singapore to Japan to, uh, well, no longer China, um, other places in Europe, uh, the UAE, I believe, too. So they're into gaming. And the biggest section in here that you'll notice is identity and compliance. Now, look at all of these blockchain forensics analytical companies, compliance companies, and digital ID companies. Yep, so you'll notice Chainalysis, that's a popular one, Cognito, Civic, perhaps you've heard of that. That's on Coinbase. Uh, Cambridge blockchain, we talked about that one. Uh, they're talking about digital ID in association with contact tracing in regards to the bugs. That's a little creepy, right? Uh, Etherscan, you've heard of that. Merkle Science, blockchain security and intelligence. And we've talked about this on the channel, but artificial intelligence is definitely going to play into a lot of this stuff. Um, and there's more there. But international, yes, they're very international. That's probably where a lot of the exchanges are that we were just talking about. Yes, yeah, Switzerland. Uh, well, Shapeshift. Yeah, a lot of you have probably heard of Shapeshift. Uh, Zappo, the world's most secure Bitcoin wallet. And I believe the, Dig or, uh, the Money Today Show was talking about Zappo wallet. Uh, who bought Zappo wallet? I believe Coinbase did. Uh, Zappo wallet. Let's see. They're bought by Coinbase, I believe. Uh, bu -bu -bu -bu. Who bought Zappo? Yeah, so here we go. Coinbase Custody acquires Zappo's institutional business that is associated with custody. So, yeah, more consolidation going on there that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And by the way, the Digital Currency Group is invested in Coinbase. They're also invested in CoinMe, which does a lot of, uh, if I believe that's the company, I have my list over here. They do a lot of Bitcoin ATMs around the world. And one thing that we'll get to, yeah, so they operate the largest network of Bitcoin ATMs and kiosks in the world. And if you look at the legal filings, 
and disclosures that CoinMe has, you'll find some interesting things. Uh, they're for ID verification. Uh, they allow for biometric data storage use in transmission. Um, CoinMe can quote-unquote recover and pay taxes for you that you owe. So if you owe taxes to the government and the government goes to CoinMe and says, hey, uh, you got to watch out for this guy. This guy owes us money. So if he tries to get Bitcoin out, uh, through a wallet that he has, make sure that you actually send that to us instead. Presumably, that's what that means, according to my analysis. And then they're all about KYC and AML, right? So you see a little bit of that there. Hedger hash graph, uh, the Money Today Show will recognize that. Uh, I believe Google is also invested in that. And the other big tech companies are behind Hedger hash graph. Hash graph. So you'll see that. Ledger. Uh, so they're into hard wallets. Yeah, so you can check out all this stuff. NFTs, the graph, you've heard of that. So they're also in Zabo, correct? Uh, they're in Zcash, which I found to be interesting, given Zcash isn't really that private of a blockchain. I mean, you could use shielded transactions, but you have to use certain wallets in order to do that. So you'd want to go something like Monero, which is by default private, um, because people... I think with Zcash, like three percent of all the transactions that are done on Zcash are actually private. Now, to some degree, that's because a lot of people actually aren't using cryptocurrency as a currency. They're using it to trade. They're using it on exchanges in that capacity. So you probably wouldn't expect a lot of the transactions to be private if you have cryptocurrencies which are optionally private, right? As Zcash is, as Dash is, and Dash isn't even that private as far as I understand when you even try to use it privately. So. Again, more reasons why we like uh, Monero. So, Dapper Labs went into that recently. Um, some of you guys may recognize some of these others. Uh, Silvergate. Silvergate is an interesting one. You can invest in that on the um, market, on the stock market, I believe. And they're into uh, buying crypto. Innovative Bank with an established, fast-growing fintech practice. Um, so, yeah, they're into that. They're into Brave. You recognize that. And the Lightning Network. They helped invest in the Lightning Network. They're into Ripple Labs, as you'll see here. And look at our Dapper Labs video. It looked like most of the companies that were also invested in Dapper Labs, which was, you know, GV, which was Google Ventures, their investment arm, Venrock, Samsung Next, A16Z, which is Andreessen Horowitz. You've probably heard of them. And SV Angel. First off, most of them are invested in Coinbase, and they're also invested in Ripple Labs. And Ripple Labs, I think, is uh, pretty much founded and invested by uh, or one of the big players behind Ripple Labs is someone from the Mellencorp family. So that's a bankster family. So it is a bankster coin. But I think a lot of you already know that if you've been here for a while. Yes, and here's Coinbase. They're invested in Coinbase, as we talked about. eToro. You all have heard about eToro. They're invested there as well. So I mean, you could go through all this. We're going to go through all this in later videos, but you've heard these names before and you're starting to get an idea as to, wow, like these guys are everywhere, right? These guys are all over the place. 
and they have a lot of influence as we're about to get to. So who are they? Who's behind the Digital Currency Group? They've been around for a while. They've got stakes in many properties, right? Banks can't ignore Bitcoin anymore. Yeah, now they're going to track it. So Barry Siebert, or Silbert, the CEO and founder of the Digital Currency Group. Um, here he is right here. And so he was an investment banker. You could go into more detail as to where he came from. Let's go ahead and take a look here. Who the heck is Barry Silbert? And this is from the coinbureau.com. If you haven't heard of Barry Silbert, you're not alone. Although he's an active presence on Twitter with over 200,000 followers, his name doesn't crop up with the same regularity as some others commonly mentioned in crypto, like you know Vitalik Buterik and people like this. Um, Silbert is the founder and CEO of venture capital firm Digital Currency Group, which describes itself as the epicenter of the Bitcoin and blockchain industry. The company has invested in numerous crypto and blockchain projects, many of which are among the most most familiar and famous names in the industry. Yeah, and they're invested in all these, as we just talked about. Uh, yeah, we went through that. Before DGC, uh, he became an investment banker at Houlihan Lockheed. And after leaving Houlihan Lockheed, he founded Restricted Stock Partners Firm, which allowed for private companies and investment funds to better raise capital by trading illiquid assets such as bankruptcy, bankruptcy claims, startup stocks, and restricted stocks. And so uh, he was successful in that. He was praised by the World Economic Forum. Uh, Fortune 40 under 40. Yeah, so very successful investment banker. So that's his background, and he ended up selling second market. And there's some conspiratorial stuff behind that. I'm not going to get into that. You could go look up Bitcoin Boy, I believe is his name. He's done a, he's done a little series on uh, the digital currency group and Barry Silbert. But we're going to, I think, go into some different things than he will. But that's a good resource as well. Um. Yeah, it's one of the biggest crypto hedge funds around. Andreessen Horowitz, we just talked about that. Mike Novogratz, Digital, uh, Galaxy Digital. So, yes, he's pretty powerful. Coindesk, he owns Coindesk. Foundry, we talked about that. Finger in the pie. So that's who Barry Silbert is. Not that exciting. He seems like a pretty vanilla guy compared to some of the people we're about to get into. But that is who is involved there. But interesting to note, if you look into Barry Silbert, he got into Bitcoin around the same time as the Winklevoss twins. Um, and, you know, their story is kind of interesting. Their story is, oh, we were on vacation somewhere. We weren't looking for the next big thing, but some random dude from Brooklyn recognized us and just started talking to us about Bitcoin. Now, I don't know if that's true. Um they're shooting up tequila, just talking about it. I don't know. I, that sounds weird and suspect to me. Maybe it's the case. But with him and Silver getting into Bitcoin around the same time and the Winklevoss twins uh, having relationships to some degree, a, a short relationship, if I understand this properly, with Larry Summers, who's behind the digital currency group, and Facebook also, that is just interesting. 
that is just interesting. Remember, Larry Summers was a present at Harvard. Uh, the Winklevoss twins went to Harvard. They're behind Facebook with Zuckerberg at Harvard as well. So just they they have a lot of proximity to uh, tech and the newest innovations. Maybe they innocently did hear about it, but now they are heads of one of the biggest centralized exchanges in the world, which is Gemini Exchange. So it just makes you wonder. Digital Currency Group adds new investors, board members, and advisors. So we're about to figure out who is invested in the Digital Currency Group, uh, who got in pretty early. And this is going to, I think, surprise you a little bit. New investors, we are proud to announce that over the last six months, both of our firm and team have continued to grow. Both our firm and team have continued to grow. We have been joined by a group of new investors, including Western Union, Beijing-based HCM International Company, which, by the way, is one of the investment arms of Foxconn, which is perhaps one of the biggest um, technology companies in the world. So uh, it's a Taiwanese multinational electronics manufacturer. And, yeah, they manufacture Blackberries, iPads, iPhones, Kindles, Nintendos, GameCubes, everything that you could think of. I mean, they're behind it. And notoriously, uh, they have terrible working conditions, employee self-deletion. You know, that's why they have the nets at some of these factories, because people just jump out the window, and it's just bad stuff, bad stuff. But uh, a lot of factories in China, big relationship with China. And interestingly enough, this is something for you, Money Today Show, to look into, but Alibaba, Tencent, and Baidu to hold big stakes in Foxconn uh, cloud computing and 5G and smart manufacturing. So they're working with some of the biggest technology companies in China. And Tencent and Baidu, um, if you look at the Money Today Show videos, have very tight relationships with somebody by the name of Jim Brer, who we've talked about before. We're not going to get into that. He's behind Tether, USDC. Uh, he's married to uh, Angela Chow, who is sister of Elaine Chow, who was... Uh, head of the labor, who is labor secretary under George Bush, and then transportation transportation secretary under Trump, and is also the wife of Mitch McConnell. So, pretty tight relationships there. And Angela Chow's CFR and all that stuff we've talked about. So, um, just something interesting to note: they're behind HCM Capital, so indirectly they're invested in the digital currency group as well. Western Union is pretty interesting here. Um, we've talked about them before. They're going to uh, lose a lot of money because of the adoption of Bitcoin in El Salvador. I think the number was about uh, you know $400 million or something like that they're going to miss out on because of the remittances, which are going to go through the Lightning Network to El Salvador from other countries around the world instead of using Western Union. Uh, but Western Union looks like they hedged that risk by investing in something like the Digital Currency Group. Uh, because crypto is going to be a way to easily transfer capital from point A to point B around the world. So family offices, uh, you know, and, and these others right here. So you see a little bit of some interest here. But, you know, it's more interesting, and we will just get to this now, you could look into that in more detail. Maybe you recognize some of these other investment firms. I don't personally. Gibraltar Ventures, Omer's Ventures, Horizon 
Kinetics, uh, Kingsbridge Wealth Management, and Wood Investment Partners. Nothing sounds too nefarious there. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to Mr. Hutchins here in a sec and Larry Summers. They're interesting folks. We'll get to that after we read this, but here's something interesting for you. Silbert's Digital Currency Group announces major fundraise from MasterCard, CIBC, and others. Now, MasterCard is a key company that you need to look into. You need, you need, you need to watch our MasterCard and New Crypto World Order video because that goes deep. They're involved in the creation of central bank digital currencies with central banks all around the world. They have over 100 patents in blockchain. They just recently purchased uh, CypherTrace, as I have this tab pulled up, we've talked about this before. And, uh, you know, they've got connections with Chainlink. They're working with OFAC, who we mentioned a little bit here before. And I believe OFAC works with FATF to a certain degree on international financial regulations. And so you could look into FATF here. The Coin Bureau does a pretty good video about them, but they're all about AML and KYC. And it's implemented in over 200 countries. So a lot of people say, well, if the regulations get back in the United States, then I'm out of here. I'm going to somewhere else. Well, are you going to be able to escape FATF? Because they're just about everywhere. So again, that's why Monero is important. That's why we try to get the word out about this. So let's read this. Uh, the Digital Currency Group is invested in all this that we've talked about. Buh, 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 buh. Bain Capital Ventures is an investor. And so if, you, if you're not aware of Bain Capital Ventures, Mitt Romney is one of the founders of this firm. Uh, or, yes, yes. So Bain Capital is founded in 1984 by Bain and Company partners Mitt Romney and some of these other globalists. So... That is just something interesting to note. Um, CME Ventures, First Mark Capital, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, MasterCard, uh, New York Life. So a lot of big uh, current financial powers are investing in this stuff, and they're getting exposure, and they're presumably attaining influence over the direction of crypto through these investments. And we looked at this in the Dapper Labs video. Google invested $120 million in blockchain.com. Now, if you don't know what blockchain.com is, it's just one of these websites that you can go to. They have wallets and stuff, but you can go to this website and you can take a Bitcoin address from you know a website from maybe a popular content creator or some that you follow. And you could take that address. You could put it into the search bar of Bitcoin block or um Bitcoin, or what was it called? Blockchain.com, excuse me. And you could pull up the wallet and see all the transactions, see the entire history of the interactions that that wallet has had with other wallets, how much Bitcoin it's taken in. And it's not just Bitcoin, it's Litecoin, it's Ethereum. You could look up whatever wallet that you want that's on a public blockchain. You could put it into blockchain.com and you could see everything there. And one of the people that we looked into had like $50 million in donations go to that particular wallet over the last 10 years. And so Google investing in that 
is going to be able to gather significant amounts of intelligence. They work with intelligence agencies of many different governments. And so why are they investing $120 million? Well, maybe they're investing on the behalf of the intelligence agencies and perhaps with the IRS and other government powers to collect information. And maybe they're going to use that information to uh, expand their advertising capacities as well. Something to think about. But I found that interesting. And by the way, are you going to want to have a cryptocurrency wallet which is owned and operated by someone like Google? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. But a lot of people, they just don't know this stuff. They don't know who's behind a lot of the uh, wallet providers and you know cryptocurrency services that they could be using, like Coinbase, for example. So that is interesting. And also, we've talked about this. Coinbase is uh, directly working now at the Secret Service, Homeland Security, and government agencies. So that is worthy to note. Um, I want to work with firms, back to the article, who have a long-term perspective. Yes, and we're willing to explore with us and invest not only money, but real organization. Hold on, I need coffee. And we're willing to explore with us and invest not only money, but real organizational and intellectual capital into building businesses and partnerships that will enable us to unleash value in new, unprecedented ways. Question is, value for who? Value for who is my question there. DCG is being launched a holding company rather than an investment fund. Silbert believes this gives the company the necessary flexibility and diversification so they can evolve with the industry given our permanent capital base and flexible management. So these guys basically have unlimited amounts of money to invest in this stuff and get leverage over. And so that's why they probably have a diverse portfolio. They're trying to vertically integrate the entire cryptocurrency world. And it's it's going to be like oil of the 21st century because oil underwent extensive vertical in integration by uh, John Rockefeller in the Rockefeller Group. And they were able to then get a lot of control, not only over uh, the oil industry, but over the entire economy because the entire economy used oil, right? I mean, that's what became the new economy of the 20, 20th century and 21st century. And so given that cryptocurrency is going to be very integral with just about everything that goes on in blockchain, uh, the fact that they're getting a lot of exposure to all these different areas of the blockchain world indicates to me that they're going to try to have significant influence over the holistic direction of where this goes and how it's integrated into the new world order. So that is just something that I'm thinking about here. But now that we've talked about that, let's talk about the team. Let's talk about who's involved in this stuff. Is there anything else I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. So we were talking about Foxconn. I apologize. I mixed, I missed these. So as we talked about, HCM Capital, which is invested in Foxconn. Uh, hold on. Yeah, so Beijing-based HCM International Company, which is run by Foxconn. Foxconn here said back in 2017, Foxconn reveals plan for blockchain supply chain domination. So they are looking for significant 
influence in blockchain, particularly in the supply chain sector, but given that they're invested in the digital currency group, and likely we will discover more connections between companies like Foxconn, Tencent, Baidu, etc. We will find more connections between them and other big uh, blockchain and crypto investment firms, holding companies and hedge funds, as well as just perhaps individual uh, projects like MasterCard, who has over 100 blockchain patents. So this is just something interesting to note. You could read into this, but uh, yes, they are very interested in this. Lee further elaborated on the savings that he believes could eventually result from cutting out commercial banks and other third-party money suppliers. So that's interesting. And they're talking about, uh, you know, lending money throughout the supply chain, make it run easier without third-party banks. That's interesting stuff. You could look into that. Uh, and I believe that there's something else here. Yes, yeah, so the Money Today Show is going to love this. Foxconn founder Libra can converge with China's digital currency in Taiwan. Okay, so that's pretty big. That's a story from 2019. Terry Gao, Taiwan's richest man and the founder of manufacturing giant Foxconn, wants the island to roll out the red carpet for Facebook's Libra stablecoin cryptocurrency project. And I believe it's now called DM. I believe they changed it. And there are some sketchy figures behind DM. Uh, Andreessen Horowitz, as we went through yesterday, is behind DM as well. And Mark Andreessen is a personal advisor to Mark Zuckerberg and is a board member of Facebook. So you could probably see why that's the case. And I believe that there is somebody else on this list that we're talking about invested in this stuff. Yeah, so A16Z, which is the crypto hedge fund of Andreessen Horowitz, is invested in Facebook stablecoin DM, which was Libra before. So that's interesting to note. That's also interesting to note. Um, yeah, so we talked about MasterCard there. We talked about that. Is there anything more we need to get before we get to the meat here? No, I don't think so. Cool. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at who's involved here. Expanding the DCG team. We realize that our vision is broad and ambitious. To that effect, we are honored to be guided by the experience and wisdom of new members of our board and advisory team who will help us realize the vision for Digital Currency Group. Glenn Hutchins. Now, this guy is just a basket of surprises. Glenn Hutchins has joined the DCG Board of Directors and provides valuable insights to our executive team. Glenn is the chairman of North Island and is a co-founder of Silver Lake, uh, which he started in 1999. And Silver Lake is, I believe, an investment firm. Uh, let's see here. Silver Lake uh, Investments. Global technology investment firm, more than $88 billion of combined assets under management. So pretty big stuff going on there. And I haven't looked into their particular investments. That would probably be a bundle of fun too. But back to this. So he's a founder of that. So pretty wealthy guy, I'm guessing. He is a director of both AT&T and NASDAQ. Okay, like really connected guy. A director of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. 
I mean, guys, just look at this. Vice chairman of both Brooking Institution and the Economic Club of New York. And the Economic Club of New York is a very insider group. I mean, you're almost talking about the Council on Foreign Relations at that point. It's not, in my opinion, quite as globalist and connected, but it's just about there. So really, really connected guy here. Uh, yeah, he owns basketball teams and stuff, yeah. Mr. Hutchins remarked, Digital Currency Group has positioned itself as a key participant in the Bitcoin universe, a space which has the promise to be one of the most innovative sectors of today's technology ecosystem. Bitcoin technology has the potential, among many other impacts, to transform the global payment system, and DCG aims to be a central force in the, in the transformation. They tell you right there. So they tell you right there. They're trying to direct and control this elephant which has bursted out of uh, the cave or wherever it came from. I don't know. But like they probably knew crypto was coming. They knew digital uh, distributed ledger technology was coming. There's still some speculation on the behalf of some people in the community as to whether or not DARPA created Facebook. Or excuse me, well, we know to some degree there are some connections there, but there's some speculation as to whether or not DARPA created Bitcoin because it's totally public, totally tracked and traced. It's pretty clunky. doesn't work that well unless you have layer two solutions like the Lightning Network, which is having issues as far as I'm reading about now. But perhaps this was a way to entice the public in a kind of psyop into distributed ledger technology, cryptocurrency, to have it be embedded into the psychology of the people of the world who are making money off this stuff, who are making gains, who are associating this stuff now with freedom because the libertarians got involved first. Because of that psyop, it could have been that when they roll out this totally technocratic panopticonical system of surveillance and control via blockchain and these public distributed ledger technologies, People are psyoped into thinking that this is somehow a good thing. Uh, this is part of the future. We should get excited. So there is some speculation as to that. But as you'll see here, the digital currency group aims to be a central force in the transformation in the bringing in of this new crypto world order. So that is interesting. So look at what this guy is involved in. Okay, does this guy look like a hardcore and cap libertarian to you? Uh, I don't think so. So, you know, we're seeing the legacy financial system, MasterCard, New York Life, some of these banks, Federal Reserve right here, uh, getting involved in crypto and blockchain, and they want to wrangle that into their own uh, image, into their own vision for what the new financial system should be like. So... Uh, Lawrence Lenahan, nothing too particularly interesting about Lawrence Lenahan, in my opinion. So we're just going to skip him. You see him, uh, shoot, I have so many tabs open here. Yeah, here we go. So nothing too interesting about these people, really. Uh, it's not until we get down here, you know, you've got Glenn Hutchins, uh, Barry Silbert, who are the board members. This guy, who's a board member now, he's deeply involved in fashion. We've seen some sketchy people involved in fashion, so that's something to note. Um, 
<laughs> not discriminating or whatever. Board of Advisors, Larry Summers. We're going to get to that jocular fellow here in a sec, but uh, where were we? Goodness, I have so many tabs open. Just be patient with me. Uh, here we go. Yeah, so... Here we go. We are excited to have Dr. Lawrence H. Summers and Gavin Andreessen joining the Digital Currency Group team as senior advisors. Now, as far as I'm looking at here, this was written a while ago, but when you look at the website, it's just uh, goodness, here we go. it's just this guy. It's just Larry Summers. So, um, yeah, you'll see here. Uh, university professor and president emeritus at Harvard University, and he was the president there for a while. Uh, he was the Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton and director of National Economic Council for President Obama. So really connected inside baseball kind of player here. God, I need to close some of these. Here, let me just do this. It's going to confuse me. Closed, 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 closed. So, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, so he's part of the World Economic Forum, Glenn Hutchins, if you didn't pick up on that, and all this other stuff. You could pause the video. You could read through all this stuff. Really connected. Freaky dude. So, yeah, also a Harvard bro. We see a lot of connections. With crypto and a lot of these new initiatives in crypto with Harvard and MIT, Algorand comes out of MIT. They're doing the... Uh, digital ID and connecting that with uh, uh, digital passports for the bug. So that's something interesting to note. We'll get to this here in a sec. Uh, yes, so currently we talked about that. Dr. Summers commented, digital currencies, blockchain, and the Internet of Value will create new platforms for financial inclusion. And Barry and his team at DCG are building an important platform with great potential to help these technologies reach mass adoption. Right, so they want to be the bringers of the light, the bringers of the goods to the world and have it be in their vision. So Gavin Andreessen, he worked on Bitcoin. Uh, he's currently with MIT Digital Currency Initiative. As we just talked about, MIT is pretty connected. Um, yeah, so there's that, but let's look into Larry Summers here a little bit because he's an interesting guy. He's a pretty interesting dude. So first off, I just want to read a news article, which actually came out four days ago from the daily, daily huddle. Uh, this is about... Uh, Larry Summers. He says, <laughs> the article's called, This is What the Crypto Industry Needs to Succeed. Just pause the video. What do you think he's going to say? Do you think he's going to say less regulation, uh, no financial control by the banks, no oversight by authoritarian governments? Is he going to say that? You think? He seems like a nice guy. Let's see. Uh, let's start from the word crypto. It suggests a desire for secrecy with respect to large financial sums, and we have large financial sums happening in secret. You have risks of money laundering, risks of supporting various kinds of criminal activity, risks of innocent people being ripped off. Oh. Yeah, we wouldn't want innocent people being ripped off, Larry, by 
you know, institutions that print trillions of dollars out of thin air and devalue their currencies. No, that'd be tragic, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just really upset you, Larry? You know, that uh, institution that, by the way, Larry Summers almost became ahead of the Federal Reserve. He almost replaced Ben Bernanke. So when he, when he talks about risks of innocent people being ripped off, just understand that's like a total satanic inversion of what he otherwise thinks about the financial system. He's all about innocent people being ripped off. That's why he's about bringing crypto into the world in this way that they are doing it, um, as we've talked about. Summers likens the conversation around regulation and crypto to similar discussions in industries like big tech and the stock market. Yes. It's not entirely like discussions of the big tech companies. They need to have a regulatory framework. They don't just need it for the protection of their customers and consumers. They need it for the protection of themselves. Yes, Larry Summers, he's just trying to protect you. Don't you understand? Larry Summers really cares about your financial security and safety based on what he's talking about here. But you know what's interesting? When you look into Larry Summers here, you will find that while working for the Clinton administration, Summers played a leading role in repealing Glass-Steagall. So we'll just skip to the bottom there. He was influential in repealing Glass-Steagall. Now, what happened with that? What did that cause? Well, aftermath of the repeal, after the financial crisis of 2007 to 2008, some commenters argued that the repeal of Sections 20 and 32, i.e. Glass-Steagall, played an important role in leading to the housing bubble and the financial crisis. Yes. So, and if you don't know what Glass-Steagall is, it's the disconnect of commercial and investment banks. It's making it so that when you are going to a bank to deposit your money, you're just an everyday person, an innocent consumer, as Larry Summers would call you. Um, that's that's separated from the risk profile of what they're doing in investment banks, which is highly levered, uh, very risky stuff. So uh, he played a big role in deregulating the U.S. financial system and getting rid of Glass-Steagall, which, according to many commentators, caused the 2007 and 2008 financial crisis, as well as many other things that we're not going to go into here. But, yeah, he cares about you. He cares about your safety. And you know what's interesting? What is interesting, guys... And right here, you'll see, uh, in mid-2013, his name was widely floated as the potential successor to Ben Bernanke as the chairman of the Federal Reserve. And then it was Janet Yellen, who we talk about here all the time. Uh, yes, so who, who is now the Treasury Secretary. But you know, it's interesting. He has some connections with the Winklevosses, as we talked about before. In 2004, the Winklevoss twins requested a meeting with Summers in order to ask him to intervene on their behalf in an ongoing dispute they had with Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. So, yeah, he was a little bit involved and aware of the Facebook situation going on. And look at our interview that we did with the Money Today Show. We briefly go over how there was a prototype of Facebook before Facebook was a thing. And when it was shut down, all of a sudden Facebook started up. And there's some speculation that Larry Summers was integral with this and 
Mark Zuckerberg was not the inventor of Facebook as much as he was chosen to lead it. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Let me just put that out there. This is very conspiratorial. We don't know if any of this is the case. We're just connecting dots here. I don't know. Just something that's interesting, right? Uh, donations to Harvard from Jeffrey Epstein. So this is kind of cool, too. And just note that Bill Clinton flew on the Lolita Express with our boy Epstein uh, many, many times and had intimate relationships with Epstein going back quite a way. And as we talked about before, Larry Summers was the Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton. And so did he know about this? Was he aware that, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was a predator? Who knows? I imagine he did, because as we'll read here, an article in the Harvard Crimson in 2003 during Summers' tenure as president detailed a reportedly special connection between Summers and sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein pledged to donate at least $25 million to Harvard during Summers' tenure to endow Harvard's program for evolutionary dynamics, and Epstein was given an office at Harvard for his own personal use. Interesting. Summers' ties to Epstein reportedly began a number of years before Summers became Harvard's president and even before he was the Secretary of the Treasury. So... He knew Epstein well before he was working for Clinton. Who knows? Maybe Summers introduced his boy Clinton to Epstein. Who knows? But there seems to be a connection there. And he's an insider, right? He is a deep, deep insider guy. So this is all worthy to note. This guy is the sole advisor to the Digital Currency Group. Okay, so just understand this. Um, the Digital Currency Group has also teamed with Amazon Web Services on a blockchain endeavor, right? And something interesting to note, just another connection, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. And he regularly writes opinion columns for that. Ragtag, piece of communist propaganda, trash. So that is something interesting to note because Jeff Bezos also owns Amazon, right? So... Um, Amazon Web Services will partner with the Digital Currency Group on a platform that will allow companies to experiment with blockchain technology. Um, blockchain providers in DCG's portfolio will be able to work in an, a secure environment with financial institutions, enterprise technology companies, and insurance companies. Right, so you see the background networks being built here, the connections, the alliances, this was written back in 2016, so this has been going on for quite a while. So that's one of the added benefits that you get if you team up with the DCG and you allow them to pretty much tell you what to do, uh, as I imagine the relationship is for a lot of these blockchain companies. You get a lot of money, and you get to be connected with Amazon, and you get to uh, work, quote-unquote, in a secure environment with financial institutions, enterprise technology companies, and insurance companies. So... You make a deal with the devil, you're moving up in the world, Sonny. That is basically what's going on here. A blockchain can make financial services more efficient and more economical. Yeah, so, again, 2016, this is going back quite a while. This is before, mind you, the big run-up in 2017. Uh, this is May 4th, 2016. So this is before there was a lot of big excitement over Bitcoin. Um, there was a trickle in, like, let's look at the price of Bitcoin 
back in May 2016. This will be interesting. Bitcoin, May 2016. Or let's just look at the Bitcoin price. That'll be easier. It's having a pretty good day today. So, in May 2016, Bitcoin was worth $500. Okay? So, nobody knew about this stuff, really. Let's look at the market cap. So, the market cap for Bitcoin back in May of 2016 was $7 billion. Nobody was paying attention to this stuff. Okay? But Amazon, the digital currency group, and this treehouse of horror was getting involved in this stuff, right? They were already building deep, intricate networks and trenches. So that is something to note. And I think the Money Today Show came out with a video where he was talking about how uh, at the World Economic Forum and some of these other uh, forums, that are involved in tech, they were talking about blockchain going back to 2012. And we went through an article recently, I forgot which video, it's one of our China videos, but the Chinese central bank, the PBOC, was researching digital currency going back to 2014. Okay, and back in 2014, uh, again, Bitcoin was nothing. You're talking about a market cap of $5 billion. So, nothing. It's worth a couple hundred bucks. So, they have seen this coming, guys. This has been long in the making. And that's why when I think people make the connection that, uh, or they make the association erroneously that the adoption of Bitcoin is synonymous with the adoption of blockchain, that's not correct. That's not correct. That's very superficial. That's very surface level. That's not digging into the deets of What's really going on behind the scenes here, which is the rolling out of the new crypto world order, the new global financial system, which is going to be able to track and trace all of your payments, control what it is you can do with your money. And we went into that with our uh, the rise of the central bank digital currency video. Go check that out. How they're going to be able to determine who is essential and who's non-essential in regards to who you can pay with the central bank digital currency. That came out in England. Uh with the commentary going on with their central bank digital currency. Where have you heard that before, by the way? Essential and non-essential. Something to think about. But that is uh, what is coming. And now that everybody, again, has this association with crypto being largely positive because crypto has been associated with freedom, it's been associated with financial liberty and gains, they're going to be able to roll this out and there's not going to be much resistance to it, uh, which is concerning, which is concerning. So... That is something to note. Uh, let's go back here. Yeah, so... Oh, Visa's interestingly in this. So let's take a look at this. DCG's active blockchain role. DCG startups include Chain, which received an investment from Visa, City, Capital One, and NASDAQ. Where, where, where have we seen NASDAQ before? Well, Glenn Hutchins, right? He was a director over at NASDAQ. I lost him. Where'd you go? Where'd you go, Glenn? 
Yeah, so if you read that, director at NASDAQ. So I've got, again, too many tabs open. I'm just going to close some of these, if you don't mind. Yeah, okay. We don't need that. Yeah, so Visa's also getting in on this. Interesting. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Chain developed the standard conjunction with First Data, Capital One, Fidelity, UFJ Financial Group, State Street, and Mitsubishi. Yeah, so, like, again, the big, big names getting deep into this stuff back in early 2016. So, just be aware of this. Why DCG chose AWS? As AWS... Uh, considered ways to help its portfolio company scale and grow while supporting experimentation and corporate discovery, it became clear the DCG would have to collaborate with a technology infrastructure provider like AWS to create a platform for experimentation. Similar partnerships exist among other software companies, financial institutions. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I was not aware of this. Okay, this is key. Check this out. R3CEV, a consortium of 44 banks developing standards for distributed ledger technology, partnered with Microsoft to provide a blockchain as service in the cloud. Okay, we're looking at this right now. <laughs> uh, today's show, have you heard of this before? Uh, CEV, I believe that's what it was. R3CEV. We're going to have to make a video on this. This is quite something. Yeah, look how short this Wikipedia entry is. Nobody's talking about this. R3 CEV is an enterprise software company founded in 2015 and is headquartered in New York. Its blockchain platform, Corda, allows businesses to manage secure transactions directly between parties. That's going back to 2015, guys. Blockchain platform allowing businesses to manage secure transactions between parties, i.e. banks. It's going back to 2015. Whoa. R3 began as a consortium of nine major banks. The consortium grew as more financial institutions sought to explore how blockchain could address inefficiencies in the aging network oh, what's going on here? Uh, of bank payments and settlements. We're talking about Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, HSBC, Barclays, U UBS, Credit Suisse, RBS, Royal Bank of Canada, and Wells Fargo. Uh, whoa. That is quite something. I was not aware of this. So that's interesting. That is really interesting, guys. Um, so we're going to end it here. I think we covered some pretty significant ground. I think we've gone on for about an hour. Yeah, that's good. So let's just go full screen, wrap things up. So yeah, they're taking over, guys. They're taking over. And a lot of people are very unaware of the implications of all this. Um, the main point here, guys, is to A, get into Monero and build your private digital currency infrastructure with your family, your business cohorts, with your friends. Because the more that we have transaction volume in these private digital currencies like Parachain, Monero, etc., the more the anonymity set grows and the less 
capacity that these big institutions and governments, et cetera, are going to have to control it. And that is our true way out of this mess is a real currency, which, of course, is gold and silver that doesn't have the chip in it, by the way. Go check out our Internet of Things comes for gold and silver. They're starting to put chips in gold and silver now, which is quite something. But um, also private digital money. That is our way out of this, because if we do go into this new crypto world order, uh, a lot of us are going to be in trouble because people like me and probably many people like you are not friends of the people who are in the current established power structure right now. And they're going to try to lock us out of this financial system. We talked about this with the actually urgent, they're rolling out the new economic system right now where you're going to need certain medical procedures seemingly to be done to get your digital ID, your digital passport. And if you don't have that stuff, you can't go into grocery stores, you can't buy certain goods and services. They're just going to kick you out of the economy. Uh, it's sort of like, it's sort of they're using this as a cover to consolidate power and to remove their political enemies and their economic enemies, mind you, from the system. And this is something that we need to fight back against. And we do that with establishing our own currency, not using their money, using our own money to transact peacefully with one another, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what your belief system is, to just make it so that we are free people who can transact with one another and have distance from this crazy new crypto world order system that they're rolling out. And who knows, you could maybe call it the mark of the beast system because you're going to need your QR code, you're going to need your cute little passport if you want to buy and sell, which is very biblical. I mean, totally. And people hate how I introduced that element into all this, but it's true. So I hope that you learned something in regards to this. Um, look into Monero, look into these different cryptos, which are on your side. They're not trying to uh, you know, enslave you and bankrupt you and take your wealth and extract the life out of you, which is basically what that means. That's what taxation is. That's what wealth confiscation is. Look at our unrealized capital gains tax video as well. That's pretty key, the wealth confiscation video. But that's about it. Mucho hambre. I'm going to go eat and we'll be back tomorrow and every day and the day after that and the day after that to fight for your freedom and to fight for liberty and your money and to fight for Christ, of course. So uh, check out the donation links below if you want to help support the channel. We're back on uh, PayPal. We're back on PayPal. We just made a PayPal because of one of our great contributors who wanted to contribute that way. So that is there if you want to kindly support that way. Um, we have the social media links below if you want to come follow us on our different platforms. I'm using Telegram a lot more. Check us out there. We've got some pretty base takes. And that's it. Mateo. See us again. God bless.